Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, welcome to Passion this morning. We're so glad to see you. Uh, I know it's summer, but uh, it's still glad to see, we're still glad to see you, even in summer, right? I'm, I'm especially glad to see you in summer, because uh, I know you could choose to be elsewhere, but we're delighted that you're here with us this morning, and we're anticipating God doing some great things. Uh, each June, uh, we do a series uh, called Voices. We've been, I look back, we've been doing this, I think now, in some version or form since about 2008, uh, somewhere in that, and uh, I say it like this every year, and some of y'all look at me funny, but it's the truth. Um, you should hear the best preaching you're going to hear all year during the month of June, um, because I believe that uh, God has positioned me in this house as a voice, but listen, one voice is not enough. Uh, you need to hear other voices because if you only hear one voice, it becomes like Charlie Brown's school teacher, right? And so I beat up on y'all all year long, and then I, then I get hired guns to come and beat up on you more. And, uh, but, but because we hear it from someone else, it, it resonates sometimes. And so we don't take this series lightly. I don't give up this pulpit uh, flippantly, and I honestly pray and ask God who he wants for us to invite each year. And it's been intriguing to me that each year God positions the right people with the right word. And I don't think this year will be any different than that. This morning I am delighted uh, to have the opportunity to welcome our guest. Um, I guess I have known him all my life. I, I, my earliest uh, remembrance of our speaker this morning was in the 80s, but that's only because when you're young, you don't always take notice of what's going on around you. But his family's been involved with our family since, uh, I guess, when he was a teenager. So that's been a little bit ago. Uh, it's been a minute, right? Okay, so back in West Oklahoma. But our speaker today is Gary Bird. Gary Bird uh, is from, uh, or he's from West Oklahoma, I guess, originally, but went to Amarillo, Texas, and took over a church, uh, how long ago, 40 years ago? Moved there 45 years ago, took over a church. Uh, that church is still in existence today. It is one of the most outreach-oriented churches I've ever experienced. They feed every day of the week the, the, the hungry. They, they do prison. I mean, I don't even have time. It, it, they, they do so much. And out of that, um, uh, Pastor Gary, uh, who now has, and I'll tell you about what he's doing now here in a second, but he's moved to Arlington, Texas. I'll tell you why in just a moment. Uh, out of that, got involved in uh, motorcycles. And uh, so now he is over M25, uh, Mission 25 initiative. And they do um, run for the wall and diaper run and all these different ministries basically to uh, connect with uh, the veterans of our country that have been forgotten and they do an incredible ministry there and the biker clubs and groups all across America and they're doing a phenomenal job um, but he just recently moved to Arlington Texas now this will show you what kind of guy he is they moved to Arlington Texas and moved into an apartment for the sole purpose of trying to evangelize that apartment complex so this is not like put me in a retirement community and built me a big house. In fact, they sold their big house and moved into a little bitty apartment 
for the sole purpose of winning people to Jesus. This, that is the heartbeat. It won't take you long to figure out that's Pastor Gary's heartbeat. Um, we kind of connect. Uh, I won't even tell you how all that happened, but we kind of connect because he's kind of blunt. Um, and I don't know if y'all figured this out, but there's some, somebody else that holds this microphone occasionally that kind of likes bluntness. And so I am delighted this morning. He's going to tell you a little bit about M25. I'll tell you about some materials it has, but then he's going to go into God's Word. But it is my delight and honor this morning to introduce to you a good friend, Pastor Gary Bird, as he comes to deliver the Word. Would you give him a passion welcome? Thank you, Liberty God. Plenty of time. Thank you. Thank you. So good to be here. Um, I just need to know some. Is this being put on Facebook Live? Okay. I have to watch my stories if I'm Facebook Live because, uh, well, there's people that can misinterpretate that. Uh, you know, what you say in here can be misinterpreted out there. And so I have to kind of watch how I do that. It's good to be with y'all. Um, the Elys have always been a special group, our family in our life. Uh, Carolyn and I, I regret she's not with me this morning, but uh, she and I have celebrated. I hugged her last night and said thank you for 50 June the 1st together. We've been together 50 years. And uh, I took her to Mount Scott, and if she would have said no, I was going to jump off the top of it. But she said yes, and we went to Bob and Edith as quick as we could and told them. Uh, they were the very first people that uh, we told. Bob was one of the heroes of faith uh, in my life, and I really appreciate it. I've prayed for Steve every day since his heart attack. I guess probably there may have been uh, a dozen in all of those days that I haven't. But uh, this family means a lot to me, and I'm very honored to be here. I'm going to try it, and, and it's great to have my, my, our EVUSA secretary here. When I said my, she keeps me out of trouble with Brenda Phillips. So, I mean, I make a lot of, lot of uh, mistakes in this world, and I don't color in too many lines. I took my leadership staff one time to a Bill Wilson conference, and it was on how to color outside the lines, and we had a, you know, a debriefing after we got back with our team, and they said, I said, what did you get? And one of them raised their hand, Danny, and said, I didn't even know there was a box following you, and so, you know, when you color outside the lines, it's uh, kind of hard to fit in the circles, so... There's something that I want to share with you, because see, when I was a kid, um, I received the call to preach. I started preaching when I was 15, and in 67, almost 68, and when I started preaching, I didn't have people that set me down and taught me. I had people that led me to the cross. That man sitting back there never did set me down and say, this is what you do. He said, this is who you go to. And that was the way my life was rolled out how to follow the voice of God. And when Pastor Steve given me this beautiful opportunity to come and share, I haven't been in church in a while because I'm out in the fields and, and to get to come and worship and, and to be here with y'all is a real privilege. And when he did that and he said it's voices, I says, God, I don't want them to hear my voice. I want to hear your voice. 
But help me, Lord, to show them maybe a different way of hearing your voice. Because, see, I remember back, I took over a senior pastor in 1986 of a church that had been completely rebuilt because we'd been burned down by arson. We're on the bad side of town. Um, and so I would go to the Lord and I would stay on my face before the Lord every morning at 5 o'clock because all of my forefathers taught me to go to the Lord. And so I'd go at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'd lay on my face before the Lord, and I would say, God, and I would repeat this Scripture, and they're going to throw it up real quick. It's Jeremiah 33.3. And it's, you know, if you call unto me, He will show you the secret things, the hidden things. I'm not going to read it for you. You can read it, but I'd really prefer you listen to me. You can read it when you get home. Um, but Jeremiah 33.3 says, if you call unto me. And what, what I wanted God to do was teach me, show me how to lead my church that I was all of a sudden responsible for, all 35 of them. <laughs> I was going, God, help me figure out how to lead this group of people where you want us to go. And I worked so hard. Man, my church got up to about, I think the last number I remember was 776 members. And man, we, why couldn't have we had 777 and been complete, you know? And so... I, you know, 776, and, and, and I remember all of this stuff, and I had this beautiful staff of people, and everything was just going so good, and on the inside, I had felt like God had led me to this place to fight this battle inside this church to build the kingdom through the church, and, and yet I saw that there was something else missing, and, and, and God, in the late 90s, began to stir in me about 20 years ago, and I began to say, God, let me hear your voice. Now, what I'm going to do is I want to show you a real quick video clip, because I want you to see what we do, that's where this voice led me, before I tell you how I got that voice, or what the Lord spoke to me through this thing. So, guys, can y'all do that, play this video, and leave my microphone hot, and keep the music down just a little bit, because I want to talk, talk them through it as we go. I want you to see some of the things. This is what we do out of that church. We used to write. We feed seven days a week every week of the year. We feed Christmas and Easter and you know Thanksgiving. We feed them all. Are you guys going to be able to play it? If not, well, I'm going to move on. There we go. Um, we, this is what we believe is that God's calling us to advance His kingdom. Go ahead and let it roll, if you will, if, if it'll play. Give it a little bit of sound, but not too much. We believe in advancing the kingdom. I was in Hawaii ministering. Say somebody's got to go. I was in Hawaii ministering uh, but last summer, and I heard the Lord say to me, He said, the history books are going to write about the American church of this day that we learned how to build big churches and lose a nation. How many of y'all know we're losing this country? How many of y'all know we've got to do something to change that? Okay, we're the answer, and we've got to advance the kingdom. Everything that I'm going to show you in the next few minutes is something that we birthed, that something that came out of the voice that we heard from God. Number one, he talked about the veterans. We just rode from California to Washington, D.C., honoring the veterans of our country and remind, making our nation remember the POWs, MIAs of all wars. We go to the Native Americans. We do a thing called the war horse. We're going to give two horses away in August at powwows. Uh, there's just so much I could tell you about this stuff. My wife just came back from Africa. She did a free camp over there. 287 children. She did a water well. Uh, it was a supernatural thing. We do Jews. We ride across the United States with Jews uh, in a 
different type of thing than normal. Um, we went to Israel and rode from actually London to Israel with Jews, standing with them. We're going back to Israel in December. we got a couple of things out there if you'd be interested. We do March for Life, and this is where Pastor Steve comes in. We, we've, how many of y'all believe we've got to be pro-life? Now, guys, if y'all don't go with me here, we're going to have problems. How many of y'all believe we are to be pro-life? Yeah. And so we do a diaper run. Pastor Steve designed our patch up there. And uh, we raised 350,000 diapers and baby wipes for kids, 15,000 cash. We teach nights. I'm leaving here uh, Tuesday. I'll ride to Montana on my motorcycle and teach men to be men. Uh, how many of you believe men need to rise up again and be men? Okay. And so we, we got activated. M25 got activated when we did the, uh, the hurricanes. Uh, we also do TV. We've done um, over 230-minute TV programs. Uh, you can catch them on the Internet. We are doing the house plant down in Arlington, which is something different for us. Uh, boy, when you move to a big old town like Arlington, you don't know a soul. Uh, we do a summit, and any of y'all would like to come out this September the 27th through 28th, Bishop Beecham's going to be our guest. We end with Biker Sunday. About 3,000 bikers will show up. Um, we, uh, these are just some advancements that we did. We rode from, like I said, London to Israel, Jerusalem with Jews. And uh, what an incredible opportunity that was. Six weeks on a motorcycle with Jews. Um, we, uh, uh, these are the things that we do on a weekly basis. Is there any way I, that I can see more of them? Can y'all turn the light up a little bit? I'm a communicator, not a, or a, you know, that other guy. I got to see your face. You know, you're not as bad as I thought you were. <laughs> Pretty dang good. All right, anyhow, what happened was, was in the midst of all of this, I had this uh, youth, pat, or this, what they called uh, armor bearer, and he would bring me my food, you know, of a morning, and I'd sit in my office and, on Sunday morning, and they wouldn't let me see anybody. I couldn't shake anybody's hands because they didn't want to mess up God's anointing that morning. And uh, it's kind of crazy. That was the current fad of that day. And so that's what I was doing. And then all of a sudden, God started dealing with me about we're losing this country. And there's God, we've got to advance the kingdom. And, and I, then I said, God, I, want, I, th I really don't want to be like Bob Ely, and I really don't want to be like Bishop Leggett, and I really don't want to be like the Apostle Paul. I want to be like you. How many of you believe we are to be like Jesus? Huh? How many of you believe we are to be like Jesus? And so I said, okay, God, and, and I want to hear you speak to me about being like you. And so what I've done is I how many of you all know reading the Bible will mess you up? Huh? And so I decided that I'd start reading the Bible all over again. And I started in Matthew 1. And I learned that God speaks to us. His voice should come from the Word of God first and foremost. How many of you believe that? And so I'm reading the New Testament. I How many of y'all ever decided you was going to read the New Testament through? Huh? And you had to start at Matthew 1. Huh? Come on, help me. How many of you ever read Matthew 1? Or many of you are professionals at Matthew 1? Yeah, man, you know, I'm going to tell you, I, I was going to get this one down, and I started, how many of you know it's Leroy begat Henry, and Henry begat Joe, and Joe begat Steve, and Steve begat Bob? How many of y'all know that's what it says? 
Well, I can't say those other names, so I was making up names. And I read it along, and, and I got through it, and the Holy Spirit says, you didn't get it, Gary, go back through it. And I said, okay. So I read it again. And I, got, I just made bigger names. Instead of Joe, I would use Joseph. Instead of Steve, I'd say Stephen. And I'd use all of these bigger names, you know. Instead of Danny, I'd say Daniel, you know. And I had just stretched it out because I really get through this thing, man. And I got through it again. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he says, you didn't get it. Read it again. How many of y'all know I'm a slow learner? Look at me and say, that dude is a slow learner. All right, and so I read it again. And I think it was the fourth trip through it, all of a sudden something started jumping off the pages at me. And I started seeing something I'd never seen in the Pentecostal Holiness Church. I started seeing women in there. There's only four listed other than the Mary. And I was start reading them, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm seeing the first woman is Tamar. She committed incest. <laughs> we don't even let them in our doors. You know, we're, we're cautious when he said, well, ago, it doesn't matter your past. How many of you know that's true in Jesus, but not so true in the church world? Yeah. Come on, am I telling the truth? Yeah. And I'm reading along and I'm going, yeah, man, here's a woman that committed incest and the baby is in the lineage of Jesus. Whoa, man, I'm, I'm, I'm getting messed up. And then the next woman is Rahab. And she was a prostitute, a lying prostitute. And I'm going, Lord, this is your lineage. You know, and I get down to the third woman, and it's uh, Ruth. And I, I read that one, and I go, wow, Ruth, she's a godly woman. Then I look at it, she's a Moabite, she's an enemy to the church. And I remember I had a praise and worship leader, and she was uh, giving me all kinds of fits. And uh, she was what I considered to be an enemy of the church where I was going. And so I prayed her out. Julie, I prayed that woman out of my church. And seven just like her came. And I said, God, I'll never do that again. <laughs> and I, I realized that an enemy was in the lineage of Jesus. And then, of course, Bathsheba. And so my, my whole DNA of Christianity started changing. And then I get down to Matthew the ninth chapter, and I saw, how many of y'all want to be like Jesus? He was criticized by the church because he sat with drunks. He said, Matthew the ninth chapter said that he said in the New Living Translation, he sat with the scum. And all of my friends spoke in tongues. And I was going, oh God, how can I say I'm like you if I don't? Hang around people that you hung around. And so I started going to the bars. People said, what did people think when they saw your motorcycle? Because my motorcycle stood out, and it's not the one I'm riding today. But it, it stood out. It's, it's a, a witness bike. And we'd pull it in front of the bar. And I'd sit there, and, and uh, uh, <laughs> we, we didn't preach. Uh, we didn't sing. We didn't hand out tracts. We went in there and hung out with people like Jesus did. And we listened to them. i got to tell you one bar story. Can I do that? I don't know I, I, this time thing. Can I just roll? Okay, I just want to roll this more. I believe the Lord has a word because we got to change this country. Amen? And there's so much power in this church that there is the power to change. We've got to activate. Amen? But we got to see it from his eyes. We, Carolyn and I went in a bar one night, 
And uh, we sitting down and, and um, had a hamburger and french fries and had a nice Coke. I want to tell you, Biker Bars make some of the best hamburgers in the country. And, and I went in, I had this big old juicy, greasy hamburger and fries, and Carolyn and I are sitting there, and we're talking. And I look at her, and I said, honey, maybe I went too far. Maybe I've gone too far. Maybe, maybe, maybe the church is right. We shouldn't be in here. And she looked across the table with those loving eyes, and she said, shut up. She said, enjoy the moment. And I said, okay. She said, we're doing what Jesus would have done. She reminded me of my sermons. I hate that, sir. She reminded me of my sermons. And so we just sat there. And the next thing I know, Steve, we, we've been married a while now. But we still are madly in love. And I reached across the table and grabbed her hand. And she's grabbing mine. And Esther, we're making eyes at each other. And... <laughs> You and Danny still do that, you know? Yeah. We're making eyes at each other and we're having this great time with each other. I got up. I said, well, it's time to go home. She said, okay. So we got up and we left. And I paid my tip and then left a big deal. And I thought, well, that didn't do a whole lot of good. So then next, one of my elders called me and he said, hey, Gary, I heard you went to the bar last night. <laughs> How many elders call you and ask you? <laughs> Elder called me and he says, Hey, Gary, I heard you went to the bar last night. Can I go with you tonight? I said, Sure, we'll go back. So we jumped on the bikes and we met. We ended up at the same bar. And we walked in and my wife sat down here and I'm here. He's there and she's over there. And I'm looking and Sister Edith, there's a set of hands coming down around my wife's throat. How many of you know in a biker bar that's a little nerve-wracking? And I'm watching these hands come down around my wife's throat and they press against her and they pull her in close. And this lady reached over and says, Ma'am, I don't know who you and your husband are, but we know you don't belong in here. But last night, you took time and you sat right over there at that table and my husband and I were sitting over here at this table and we were talking about a divorce and separating and she said watching the love act between the two of you we went home and renewed our commitment to our marriage yeah 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 <laughs> I did marital counseling sitting in a bar eating a hamburger making eyes at my wife I'm going to tell you this stuff is good I've done better ministry in the bar than I do in my counseling. Matter of fact, you come to me for counseling, you probably will get the divorce. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not a counselor. <laughs> so I started hearing the voice of God. Not only did he go to the bar, I heard the voice of God in Matthew the 25th chapter. That's what Matthew the 25th is built around, or M25 is built around. You'd, how many of y'all want to go to heaven? It said, if you want to go to heaven. Now, I'm not smart. Look at me. Look at me. Say this with me. He's not smart. I'm not smart. I, I went through Southwestern Bible College. Took me the longest four hours to get from that front door to the back door of any time in my life. I have no degrees. I am a, I'm not very smart. So when I read that and it said, if you don't feed the hungry, you go to hell. I don't want to go to hell, Sister Edith. I don't want to go to hell. And I said, God, you show me how. 
and I'll go like you went, and I'll feed like you fed. You just show me how. You show me the opportunity. And when I was sitting underneath that bridge on a Sunday morning before I went over to preach, remember, I've got a church full of people waiting on me. And I'm underneath a bridge, and I said, God, I'm not going to do anything, but I'm going to feed people donuts, I'm going to give them coffee, and I'm going to give them love, and if they ask me, I'm going to pray for them. Because, see, M25 believes that you don't have the right to walk up to a man on the streets and ask him if you can pray for him. Jesus never done that. He waited for them to ask him. And so I said, God, we're going to wait till you put it in their heart to ask us for prayer. And so that's what we did underneath the bridge. We just loved them. I said, I'll never give them anything. I'm sitting underneath the bridge. It's 37 degrees, spitting snow. I'm on a motorcycle. I'm sitting down on a curb beside this guy. He, I know his street name because I've been underneath there a while. His name was Moses. He had long gray hair. His beard was down to here. And it was matted with vomit from the night he threw up before. He had urinated all over himself. It's 37 degrees. He's shaking all over. I sat down beside him. I said, sir, can I get you a cup of coffee? He said, I need something. I got up and I got him that cup of coffee. I sat back down beside him. And I said, how many of you know the Holy Spirit put words in your mouth? Amen. How many of you know it's not fun every time? Amen. I'm sitting there and all of a sudden out of my mouth roll these words. I'm going to give you my gloves and I'm in my gloves. It's 37 degrees, dude. It's cold out there and I'm riding a motorcycle. He said, I can't take your gloves. And I'll be doggone if the Holy Spirit didn't say out of my mouth, you can't have them for free. Now, man, what would a guy living in a cardboard box that spent his last dime on have that I want? I said, <laughs> and that words rolled out of my mouth, and I went, God, really? What do I want? And he looked at me, and he said, really? What? And I'm going, I don't know. Holy Spirit, page two. <laughs> I don't know. And all of a sudden rolled out of my, off of my lips, I want you to pray for me. I said those words, and Pastor Steve, I could feel J.E. Madewell flipping in the grave. I thought, oh my God, what have I just done? I've asked a man that's a drunk to pray for me. That man raised one hand in the sky. I'm trying to cut it a little short. But he raised one hand up in the sky and he put the other one on my shoulder. And he says, God... You know who I am, and you know where I'm at. And this man of God has asked me to pray for him. I can't tell you another thing that man said. God took a hammer, and it was no longer about church business. It was about broken people. God sledged, hammered my heart. And I sat there and wept because I knew that religion had controlled me all of my life. And the voice of God spoke. I learned that I, from that day forward, I believed that I know things that people with five doctorates will not know because I've sat with Jesus in a ditch and I've heard Him talk to me. Are you hearing me this morning? Can I tell you? Can I tell you that Moses was a was a Texas Ranger. 
Can I tell you that his wife found another man and his partner found a bullet and he found a bottle and for 11 years he was estranged from his family? Can I tell you I got him back with his family? Can I tell you I got to baptize him in water? Can I tell you he's still sober today and still calls me and tells me thank Oh, come on church, give Jesus a hand. I learned to listen to the voice of the broken. I learned to hear the voice of God through the broken. But there's something else I've got to tell you about this thing. This voice that you're going to hear. Tell the Holy Spirit, I'm just trying to follow His lead. Is this, am, am, am I okay? I know I'm supposed to preach twice today, but... <laughs> It's hard to come in and just give you a, a nursery rhyme. You know what I'm saying? That stuff is big in me. So it's cost me everything. The voice of God is costly. There's a whole voice out there. You know, when I teach men, I'm going to teach this weekend. I'll probably teach for about seven hours, and then I'll preach two services this next weekend. Friday and Saturday, Saturday night and Sunday morning. And when I'm going to, I'll start it off with what kind of man is it that doesn't leave the world in a better place? Huh? How many of you know we can't call it success if our world is in a mess? Huh? I don't care how big our church is here. I don't care how many people speak in tongues. If we leave this country in the mess it's in right now, my grandchildren is in for a rude, rude awakening in a terrible world, and that drives my boat. Are y'all with me this morning? That's the problem. That's the problem. I said, God, my grandson, I was telling Pastor Steve last night, He's a, he's a jock. I mean, he's, I have seven grandchildren, but he is the athlete of the bunch. 180 kids went out for football in eighth grade, and he was the first one picked to be the first string quarterback. He's a stud. And what, what happened was, was I, went, I took him, just he and I went camping. And I says, I said, Brax, how's things doing? He said, Papa, it's nervous. And I said, what do you mean, what's nervous? He said, it just makes me nervous. And I said, what makes you nervous? He said, because I, I couldn't see that boy afraid of anything. I know his roots. And I said, what, what are you afraid of? And he said, Papa, she changes clothes in my locker room. I said, what? He says, there's this girl that had her name changed to be a boy. And now she's in my locker room changing clothes. Does that shake you up? I called the athletic director and I said, what, what is going on? And he says, he said to me, he says, Gary, I would be disappointed if you hadn't called me. I helped him get his first job. And I was going, God, how can we continue and not fight the battles out there? Are y'all following me? If it costs us everything. Jesus said, you know, today, what we do is we say, you want to get saved today? Jesus is here. He's going to give you fire insurance. And He's going to bless you with this. And He's going to bless you with that. And He's going to bless you with this. And it's all about this. And it's about that. Come on, help me. Am I trite? 
<laughs> when I was saved, it was, are you ready to lose it all? Are you ready to give it all? Because, see, Jesus, when people came to him, he said, listen, are you willing to be homeless? Birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Come on, help me. Is that truth? One guy comes to him and says, I want to be a part of your kingdom. He says, just go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then come back and we'll talk about you being a part of the kingdom. How many of you believe that is church growth in action? Huh? Am I okay? All right, you told me I could be blunt. Yeah, I'm blunt. I don't even know any other way to be. But when you leave here, you're going to know what I believe, whether you agree with it or not. That's why I like being with Steve. He told me he's the same way. So I said, okay, God. We're going to follow you. Thank God I have a wife that understands that and she's just as crazy as I am I've ridden 665,000 miles on my motorcycle doing this stuff and she's got logged probably over 250,000 of those and I've watched her sit on the back of that bike when it was snowing and she stayed the course with me I've been on it with her when it was 115 and she stayed the course with me and I'm thankful that God paired us up together because we're both crazy. You can say that. Say he's crazy. <laughs> but I learned something. Somebody is going to have to start living Hebrews 11b. Huh? 11a, we talk about, oh, God did this, and God did that, and God performed this miracle, and God performed that miracle. And you get down to, 11b, and it says, and then there were those. Come on, come on. Then there were those. And the reason I love doing this part of it is because I'm, I've got young men around me right now that have forsaken everything in South Carolina, a beautiful church, a beautiful plant, beautiful everything, and they're living on a reservation in the Native Americans in Montana right now. I have a man that left another church in South Carolina. He's down in Arlington with us. I'm telling you, God is raising up some radicals around this country, and that's what I'm looking for is radicals that are really ready to make a difference in our country. And I never know but what there's going to be one sitting in a crowd that's not afraid to live, Hebrews 11b. You know, we're talking about run for the wall. It took 51 people across countries. Would three of y'all smile at me? <laughs> Maybe I'm too blunt. <laughs> Hebrews 11b. We took 51 people, paid for all of their lodging, all of their gas, all of their food, their everything across this nation. Cost us last year, I hadn't done the numbers yet this year, but last year cost us $62,000 to accomplish that. And people say, wow, man, what a difference. This is so cool. See, we believe that the voice of God is costly and risky. My wife and I moved out of our three-bedroom, three-bath, two-story home I built out on the acreage and moved into a home behind the church that had a bullet hole from a drive-by shooting. Yeah. I remember calling her. I'm on the road. Hey, honey, how's it going? I said, what's up? Oh, Gary, let me show you. She raised the window curtain up and points the camera out. There. How many of y'all like FaceTime? 
You know, she points the camera out there, and they've got a, two young men handcuffed in my front yard. I've watched them shoot. I've watched a policeman shoot a young man in my front yard. I'm telling you, we, lived, we, we knew it was risky. We knew that there was a cost to this thing. And then, when we started running for the wall, I knew I heard from God. Because see, there was a three-war veteran came up to me at a VA hospital and he says to me, he says, Gary, I fought in three... Well, he didn't call me Gary. He looked at me and he said, aren't you a Christian? And I said, well, I give it my darndest. And he said, well, I'm telling you, I don't understand it. And I said, what's that? And he said, I fought in three wars. He said, the bars shut down, the schools turn out, the businesses shut down. I mean, they come, they come out on the streets. Everybody comes out to thank us veterans for the freedoms they have, but I've not seen the church once. He said, didn't I fight for the freedom of religion? I said, you fought for the freedom of religion, and I'm telling you right now, I'm going to make it a mission of my life to change that picture. And this year, we were encapsulated a thing, and God got the glory because we are letting them know that the church cares, that we're thankful. Church couldn't get the vision for that. So I looked at my wife and I said, honey, you know what that means, don't you? And she said, what? And I said, that means credit card. See, there's, there's this, I'd sit in those meetings, Steve, and they would say, or Pastor Steve, they would, they would sit in those meetings and they'd say, God's vision always is followed by God's provision. <laughs> Julie, I'd just sit there and keep my mouth shut because I'm a nice boy. But I was going to stand up and say, you don't get it. God's vision is funded with his provision inside the system. I'm blunt. And God is not changing the world with our system. And so I told her, I said, we're, we're looking at some bad days. But we don't owe for a house. We don't owe for a car. And people go in debt for houses and cars. We're going to go in debt for ministry. And at one time, we were $83,000 in credit card debt, unsecured debt, doing run for the wall. Don't worry. He's already given me my check. I'm not raising money. I'm just telling you that sometimes 11B, they wandered in the desert. They were in despair. They were work sheepskins and goatskins for clothing. They didn't have what they needed. How many of y'all know the church needs to raise that up back into the kingdom? Come on, help me. Am I telling the truth? The church, Bob Ely messed me up when I was 15 years old. It's his fault. Y'all hit him after the service. Don't hit me. He's the one who taught me to give it all to the Lord. Him and my mom and my dad and Dwight Burchett and Damon Burroughs, those men taught me to hear the voice of God and then do whatever it took to do what God has asked me to do. And Bob, I've never regretted one moment of it. My wife and I said, we do not have one penny of retirement left. We cashed it all in. All of our debts paid. Somebody say, thank God. All of our debts paid, but we cost us everything that we have. And my wife and I looked at each other yesterday, or just this past, we were only together three days. And she looked at me one day and she said, I'd do it all over again. How about you? And I said, I'd do it all over again. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying this morning when you hear the voice of God? This thing keeps coming to my head, so I'm going to have to share it. I, I write notes. 
Uh, they're on my lap. Uh, they're on my iPad. I'll send them to you. <laughs> but when the Holy Spirit just keeps hammering me, I, I, I got to do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> how many of y'all remember the Christmas? How many of y'all old enough? Danny, you're old enough. <laughs> how many of you remember the Christmas plays back in the day? Huh? They put a bathrobe on you? And they tied a towel around your head? Y'all remember that? And they made you a shepherd. And you walked out and went, cheap, cheap, cheap. Y'all remember that? And if you could, you know, we had a plastic baby up in the, the little piece of wood with some little hay on it. Y'all remember those days? And, and we had that little plastic, because if we put a real baby in there, you'd have to change the diaper halfway through the program, mess the program up. You remember that? So they put a plastic doll up there. And so then if you could really project your voice, you, you could be meaner than a junkyard dog. <laughs> You're looking at him. Uh, but I could project my voice. And this guy gets up, and if you were that guy, they'd put a nicer robe on you. I mean, a white sheet on you. I forgot about the three wise men. That's where the nicer robes came. But then the, they put a white sheet on you. They'd cut a hole in the top of it. Y'all remember that? Drape the white sheet over you. And then they would take this little thing and make it out of baling wire, and they would make this halo and cover it with tin foil. Y'all remember that? And you, when you walked, it went, y'all remember that? And if you could project, you got to step out on the side of the stage and say, peace on earth, goodwill toward man. Y'all remember that? <laughs> Something that God, I, I was going to bring it in today, but I've not been able to preach anywhere that I hadn't brought this up. We told half the story. That's half the story, Bob. The rest of the story is, if we're going to tell the Christmas story right, we would have to take about 75 babies and cut their heads off, little baby dolls like we had in the manger, cut their heads off, put a white pajama on them, and put ketchup down here to cover make up like his blood. And we would have to cover the whole front of the church with dead baby bodies. See, the reason we're not willing to risk is because we've not been told the whole truth. I don't fear the one who can take my body. I fear the one who can damn my soul. Huh? And I'm going to do what he said no matter what it costs me. And once the church hears, gets to that point where they can hear that voice, things can start changing in this country. I'm going to close with this. There's something about, and just making sure the Holy Spirit's through with me there, because it's not all bad. It's good. I used to have an old hot tub. You had to make sure that you had the right clothes on and set in it just right because it had cracks in it. How many of you ever sit in one of those things that had cracks in it pinch you on the way out? <laughs> so I, I had this old hot tub, and I would sit in that hot tub sometimes for five hours. Just, I mean, I'd come out looking like a pickle, you know? And I'd, but I, the Lord would just speak to me in that hot tub. And I was sitting in the hot tub one day, 
And the Holy Spirit was there. I mean, he's, of course, he's always there, but he started talking to me. The voice. The voice. And he said to me, Bobby, it's one of the most profound times of my life. And when I tell it, I, I, I wrote it in my notes to tell it this morning. And I said, God, are you sure it'll be understood? Because this is not arrogant speaking. This is not me being arrogant. I remember sitting there in that hot tub on the wrong side of town, broken for people. It was about probably six or seven years ago. And the Holy Spirit said, Gary, I no longer call you a servant. I call you my friend. I went, whoa. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I knew He was talking to me. And I said, Holy Spirit, I can't remember where it's at. And I'd already destroyed an iPad and an iPhone by carrying them into the hot tub with me. So I didn't have anything in there with me. And I said, Holy Spirit, i got to get out. i got to go find that in the Word. I know what's in there, but I can't remember right now where it's at. And I got so excited about the Word. And God said, just sit there. Holy Spirit said, just sit here and relax. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes. And I can't explain to you what happened that day. But I'm going to tell you that I found an intimacy that I had not known with my Master. And I felt Him starting to talk to me like I had prayed in 1986 at 5 o'clock in the morning. God, tell me the secret things. Tell me the things that nobody else is hearing. I want to know what you've got to say. And God began to just pour into me. And I got out and I read it. How many of you know what John 15, 14, 15 says? He says, you've done what I've told you to do. So now, I no longer call you a servant or a slave. I call you a friend because you've done what I've told you to do. Julie, I'm going to tell you, I get angry a lot of times in church because I see them sing that song, I am a friend of God. And I watch you know, people that don't know what it is to obey God. Sing that song and claim to be his friend. And I want to get up and say, you don't have a clue. You've not obeyed him. See, the key to this thing is our obedience. If we used 5%, 2% of everything that this man and this woman has poured into you all of these years, if you use 5% of it, we could change this city. And we just got to be obedient. So I don't know what, and I'm sure Stacey Hilliard is a heck of a preacher. I mean, in y'all's world, he's really a great preacher. He's a great guy. And I'm sure he's going to come and he's going to have a word for God that will lift you up. He chose, he made this mess that I'm doing, and he chose to have me come and do it. So y'all take it up with them. I want everybody to shake my hand and say, hi, Gary, when do we leave here? But the point is, how do I end this? I got up at 4.30 
left my room at 4.40. I worked a wreck of seven motorcycles, bodies laying everywhere, out on room for the wall. I got on my bike, took care of them, loved on them, did my text messages and my phone calls, and I rode till 11.30 that night to get to my next stop. And I was listening to worship music. And one of them was, Lord, you've done so much for me. How could I ever tell you no? How many of y'all believe that God's done a lot for you? Amen. Huh? Pastor Steve set the stage for that. God has forgiven me of so much. Anybody else in this house? And there's nothing He could ask of me that I wouldn't be willing to do. My wife prayed over our meal yesterday. And she said, God, You've done so much for us, we could never tell You no. I don't know of anything You could ask of us we wouldn't do. Church, I, I believe that there are people inside this church, inside the church world that God's wanting to talk to and give you directions. Would you stand with me? I'm going to close my eyes because I don't want you to patronize me. I'm going to pray over you. And if you want the Holy Spirit to speak to you, I want you just to hold your hand out like a cup and say, Lord, but Pastor Steve a while ago said, if there's been a time in your life you were closer, say, God, I want to be closer. Maybe there's some in this building. I believe with all my heart that the channels are cut when God gives us something and we don't obey. He doesn't give us another command until we obey the one that He gave us. At least that's been my experience. So maybe you're one of those that just, God needs to renew that voice. I want you to just hold that hand out there and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to speak His Word to you and then once that you start being obedient, somewhere down the road, He can tap you on the shoulder and say, look, I'm not going to talk to you like a servant anymore. I'm going to start talking to you like my friend. And He can share those intimate things with you. Father, I'm not sure what was expected of me today. But I know that I felt what you expected of me. And Lord, I have shared and I pray God that you would motivate, facilitate, activate, and as Pastor Steve prayed well ago, position these believers to be you to a world. Thank you for that prayer, Lord, that helped me bounce off of it. Because, God, there is a world out there that needs You. And, Lord, we need to serve them so they can know we love them so that we can share truth with them. And so, Lord, as we go from this day, teach us, show us opportunity. Lord, whatever you do, position us with some Moseses to break our heart. Break through the crust 
and get us to the place where we can be used in your hand no matter what it costs. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for letting me be here today. You may be seated. I think he's coming. I do want to... I don't want you to sit down. Stand back up for just a second. Do you got something else you're going to do? Are you going to do something with that? Or? I was going to give it to you. Oh, okay. I'm going to call him to prayer. I, I feel like it's called. Um... I, I look at these, this series different. Not that I don't expect God to move in every series we do. I don't want to diminish that. But I sincerely believe that there are moments in this series where we need to take time. We don't get to, It's summer. We don't get to do this like this all the time. But I, I really sense that God has challenged. And one thing my dad has taught me is that when you challenge people, you have to give a chance for them to respond. You have to. Otherwise, we go home and usually in disobedience <laughs> and we forget. I just really sense, I know there's another service starting, and so we're going we're gonna to do this different this morning. Um, Lauren, if you'll help me, you can have the offering bucket at the door, and if you want to give this morning, which I hope you will, you can just give as you exit this morning. Um, and I'll say this without trying to quench the Holy Spirit at all, but because my heart is pure in this, if you're visiting with us for the first time, if you'd fill out your little communication card, you can drop that in the offering bucket just because we want to stay in touch with you. But I really sense that God's calling us to prayer. Um, delayed obedience is still disobedience. Um, there is only one thing that, that equals obedience, and that's obedience. And I just really sense that the Holy Spirit is calling us and challenging us about our obedience level. And so what I'm going to ask you this morning is a couple questions that the Holy Spirit was asking me. I'll ask you. One is, what has he told you to do that you're still not doing? what we talked about ding 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 I spoke about obedience last week go back and listen what has he told you to do that you're not doing whether it's your lifestyle whether it's ministry whatever it is what has he said to you that you're not doing because if you're not doing it or if you're putting it off or I'll get to it then that's disobedience and Pastor Gary said it right at that moment it all falls apart you're cut off and so I just really sense that what we need to do this morning is spend some time in prayer submitting to what He's told us to do. We cannot move forward. Listen to me. I won't get to speak to you in four, five more weeks. We cannot move forward to next. Corporately or individually. Somebody, I know some of y'all. I know most of you. And I know the cry of your heart is what's next for you personally. Those of you that are uh, in, looking for relationship, you're like, who's next? New job, what's next? New role, what's next? What's next? 
As a church, we're praying about what's next. Y'all don't know this. He doesn't know this. I met with the finance team three weeks ago and said, I think this is what's next. I don't know how we're going to get there because we don't have the money for it. But what I've discovered is you don't have the money for it until you deal with what he said to do now. So that works individually. It works corporately. I think God's got a lot of nexts for us, but we can't get there. And I keep questioning, why do we keep pounding up against this wall? We get to this point and back up and get to this point and back up. Maybe it's because we're not obeying what he's already told us to do. And what I want to tell you is that individually, your lack of obedience has implications for us corporately. We all got to be in this together. So I'm just going to challenge you this morning as Seth continues to play. April, if you'll help me, a couple of them will come into place. And at some point we'll go into worship. And if new folks walk in... Great. They can come do what I'm going to ask you to do. I want to ask you to find a place to pray. And this is your dismissal. I want you to pray because we're famous at two-minute prayers. I want you to stay in prayer until you surrender. Surrender to what? Whatever He says. If you're living in sin, get out of it. If you were supposed to give something and you haven't given it, give it. If you were supposed to mend a relationship, mend it. If you were supposed to go do something, do it. But whatever, stay in prayer until you can stand up and have the ability to leave knowing that you will obey. That's pretty open-ended, isn't it? Because some of you will come to that point like this, but for some of us that are a little more stubborn, it takes a little bit. I'll testify, it takes a little bit for me. And so this morning, if that's you, I, I'm not going to ask if that's you because I think that's us. I don't know where we're going from here. They'll start singing at some point. I don't even know if you'll get to preach again, Pastor Gary. Who cares? I don't care. Uh, but I want you to find a place and pray until you submit. We used to call that tarrying. We don't use that term anymore. I want you to wait until you submit. And at the moment that you come to the place of surrender and submission, then you're free to go. So would you find a place to pray this morning? It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.